increasing regulation, market saturation, and rising interest rates. Still think short-term rentals make sense? You're not alone. Join industry experts Bill Faith and Kenny Bedwell as they discuss how you can invest while still staying ahead of the curve, identifying trends before they happen, or blowing them away outright with their insights. This is STRonomics. Are you looking to invest in short-term rentals in North Carolina or South Carolina? There's a lot of great markets there, but even more important the markets are that you find the right agent. And that's where my man, Tyler Kuhn comes into place. I personally used him for three purchases totaling over $3.5 million. And I would not look to anybody else. Just jump down into the show notes right here below the podcast, click on the link and book a free discovery call with Tyler to explore the opportunities in both North Carolina and South Carolina today. Hey everybody, Bill Fink, Kenny Bedwell, welcome back to SDRnomics. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the need to evaluate your properties and kind of what goes into that. So Kenny, you're the data guy. I'm going to let you lead off. Okay. <laughs> so... Why, why, why should people evaluate their properties? I mean, we're going in, we're in, we're, I mean, essentially we're in Q4 right now, the end of the year. We're in tumultuous times. We have, a, you know, property values are going down. Rents are slowing down. Uh, we have an election next week. Just doesn't seem like a really good time to evaluate, you know, the performance of your, of your properties and your portfolio. Absolutely. I mean, if you're trying to grow your portfolio and make decisions, you got to know how your current properties are performing. And if they're not performing, then you either need to cut them or you need to adjust and pivot. That's as simply as that. Everyone's talking about looking at, oh, my next property, my next property, but they're not evaluating their current property. They're not trying to understand how can I maximize and get the most revenue out of my current property that I have. And people are like, okay, well, I know how much money I'm making, but do you know how much money you're making compared to your competitors? Do you know how much money you could be making? Like what's the, what per revenue percentile do you fall under? And is that adequate for where you're at or, or should, could you be higher? And what do you need to do to get higher? There's a lot of different metrics that can help you. And it changes month to month as well. So one of the biggest metrics that a lot of people don't talk about is guest booking lead time. So what I mean by that is. I thought you told me we were going to drop Renfar in there. Renfar, yeah. <laughs> so. I don't look at RevPAR. I mean, RevPAR is part of that. But for me, uh, it's understanding like true demand. Like how is demand really focused in on my particular market, my area at different seasons? So, I mean, unless you've been in a market for four or five years, even then, I mean, things change, especially with COVID. We don't truly understand what, what, what the real demand is and we forget, we don't document it. So what I do is I'm each month I'm looking at and I'll go over all the other things I look at as well. But one of the things that I look at that I know a lot of people don't look at is just understanding what the booking lead time is for that particular month and the next month going in. So Why I know I'm so important because I know if I should be occupied or not, if I need to raise my prices or lower my prices for that. Okay. Month. So it's important for a rock solid revenue management strategy. Yes. It's also important for marketing off platform. That's true too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I think there's a lot, of, but that is, we need to really evaluate that. And I know that's more like forward looking, but when you do that, you can then at the end of the month evaluate, because then what I do is I'm always looking year over year. So whether that's the gross revenue up until that point, 
and the month for like, so for example, we're, you know, at the end of October. So I'm going to look at all of my properties, look at how each of those properties did compared to last year in October, and then also look at the year over year gross compared to last year where I was gross and see if there's differences. And, you know, in, in, am I, am I track, am I on the right track? Am I, where am I, you know, am I growing or am I, you know, like declining? Like, how does that look? And it's really, it's really fascinating because we can, when you do it that way, if you see that changes need to be made, you can react a lot faster. So for example, this year in Buffalo, so for some of my Buffalo properties, May was just super slow for a lot of my properties. And May is supposed to be a big one, a big month for us. That's kind of like the big summer season started. Everyone's coming, graduations yada, yada, yada. Like it's a, it's a great month in the start of the summer season. However, it was very, very low compared to previous Mays and also some of my winter months. So I went in and I, if I hadn't evaluated those numbers, the month over month, the year over year, and, and looked at the booking lead time as well, I really couldn't have prepared myself to maximize June. And I probably would have had a slower June, but I had to make some changes I use tools like Rank Breeze to understand where I was ranking. If I was ranking low in the algorithm, I needed to make some, you know, adjustments. And and so I did have to make some adjustments, long story short. And when I did that, my June blasted off. And then July, you know, and then it just kept it kept going. And so, but if we don't, if we're not constantly evaluating our properties each month, I mean, we're not going to catch that until we until we go, Hey, there's not a lot of money in my bank account. Why is that? It's the middle of summer season or, or I'm in the beginning of, you know, right now is the shoulder season for us. So we're in the shoulder season and Hey, I didn't have a great October. Why am I not having a great October and evaluating to prepare for some of the leaner months? Because we might be able to make the right adjustment in time to maximize our revenue. So it's been a really interesting year for me. I've had to make some pivots. I've had to change some things and do some things differently in my listing, attract, you know, a different type of audience and, and change out my pictures or, you know, title or, you know, just little things to, to big things as well. And that has played a big difference. But if I'm not tracking that to begin with, I miss out. So I think that kind of goes back to KPIs, right? Keep performance indicators. And everybody talks about occupancy and ADR, and those are both things that you need to keep your eye on. But I just want to focus I also look at total revenue, total net profit. So I see what my cash flow is going to end up being on a monthly basis. Uh, but I'm also looking at ex all the expenses and it's kind of cool. So in our mastermind, you know, Kenny benchmarks, everybody's required to benchmark properties. So we have, I'll even know, probably 10, 11 and the Gulf Shores market is an example. And we have, you know, a, a handful, maybe five to 10 uh, in the Western North Carolina market. So I'm going in and I'm looking at all of their data. What are they paying for claims? What's their occupancy? What's the average length of stay? All of those things that you want to track all the way down to your cash flow. But Kenny talked about one that's super important. It's interesting because my wife and I just had a debate last night. We're watching the MLS soccer with our kids. And we just went, if you follow my Instagram, and later we ended up with three carts full from home goods of Christmas decorations for our new places in uh, North Carolina. And she's, she was planning on going after Thanksgiving to go and decorate. And I'm like, and Kenny knows me well enough. I have no patience for that stuff. I'm like, dude, that's like way too, way too far away. That's all a month from now. 
And she's like, well, I can't go change it on Matt. I said, yeah, but you need to go like now and set it up and take pictures. And then I can update listings. I can use them in email marketing and all that type of stuff. Then you take it down, put the fall decorations back, and then you go back and like leave it up after Thanksgiving. She's like, that's way too much work. I said, look at our occupancy level right now for three brand new properties. Never have been through a winter up there. We don't have Christmas decoration photos. Everybody wants those. And it's like default. You have to do it in the mountains, right? And then I look at, like Kenny said, the lead time, our lead time, even though we don't have a full year, is still like 21 days. So I showed it to her and I said, honey, look, if you go do this, like the 28th, 29th of November, we only have like 27, 28 days till Christmas. You think somebody's going to look in that last week before Christmas for a Christmas vacation? She's all probably not. I said, well, that validates my point of why you, unfortunately, I can't go, well, you need to get your ass there now and decorate and take pictures and put it into our marketing. And ultimately, we're going to end up going probably together, uh, probably early next week or something to go do it quickly and then come back. And it just, it, it sucks to have to take, set it up, take photos, take it down, then come back like two or three weeks later and do it. But that ties into that data. The evaluation, if you don't understand the booking lead time, as Kenny brought up, is one of the most important things for me as a marketer. So if you're in my host academy or my mastermind, we've talked about sending seven emails a year and kind of what goes into those emails. Where now, because my booking lead time has shrunk, you know, like in North Carolina, it's 21 days. November is supposed to be an off month. Like I've already typically booked up over Christmas and New Year's and that type of stuff. I am pretty much in the, in the beach mountain markets because of skiing, but I'm not that busy from December 1st through like the 20th of December. I've got to fill that stuff. So that's where I'm now leveraging the lead time per booking to change and diversify my marketing, right? So it's changing what properties I'm hitting in the markets. I'm hitting my buy, sell, trade strategy. It's changing on my email marketing strategy, right? So it's really going to impact, it should be impacting your marketing decisions and what you're executing on. But also, if you're if you're looking on a monthly basis at a PL and then you kind of look at like say take Q1, Q2, Q3, and you see that revenue is slowly falling and you're you have a summer-based market, so you're not going to pick up in the winter like I am in North Carolina, it may be a time to where your cash flow is dwindling below the point to where that means it's time to sell. That goes back to the exit strategy that we talked about a couple of episodes ago. Or when you buy a property, you need to have that desired outcome of how that property layers into a portfolio, whether it's property number one or it's property number seven or 70, right? So if it's not performing, you have options to either ramp up your marketing, do it on your own, learn a new skill, hire people, really focus on revenue management, your listings, whatever, or exit the property. Or you may contemplate a co-host. There's a bunch of different avenues to be able to move down. But if we're not analyzing, and looking at these key performance indicators, you're never going to know. And that's one thing that, that pains me when I see investors that buy, they don't go to their properties, they hire a co-host, the co-host does everything, and then they don't really understand, you know, what the true performance capabilities are. I'm going to tell you right now, I think one of the biggest assets that I have access to is my mastermind's benchmarks. And if you're not in a mastermind or something like that, I would grab three or four probably like five, six, seven people if you can and you're in a market that you're invested into, whether it's Omaha or Destin or wherever, and just start doing some benchmarking. Share your ADR, your cleaning costs, your number of day, your average length of stay per month, 
your revenue and your net profit. Just those like five or six KPIs easy to do. You can do it via text or Facebook chat or whatever. If you can track those things and share with other people that are in the same market and even really similar sized properties, because it's different with a massive six bedroom and a two bedroom condo. So you want to try to be somewhat similar in properties. And I, I, I look at just like in the Gulf Shores market, Kenny, I could have Jim Folger, Michael Buffoto, who's not even in our mastermind, right? David Kang, myself, we could have, we have seven properties within literally a half of a mile of each other and that we could be benchmarking all around. That's powerful information for you guys to be able to share and just invest a couple of hours a month to share that information. It's really going to educate you to help you make better, better decisions on your revenue management strategy, as Kenny brought up, your marketing strategy, and then also whether it's, you know, buy and hold or is it time to sell? Yeah. So it's a lot of like gross um, revenue, but I, I, I think we kind of move this discussion more into the expense side as well. So how do you track build all your expenses? What's your way of QuickBooks? QuickBooks? Every, I mean, so I use resortcleaning.com with all of them. Typically, most of my cleaners are associated with like the handyman and the services. So they can invoice through there. I mean, I still have a Google sheet for every property. My wife handles the QuickBooks. Basically, it's redundant. So my wife and a bookkeeper handles QuickBooks. I still have my own spreadsheet, you know, that I upload. I need that stuff to, because I upload a couple of properties into our benchmarks too, right? So I track everything that way. I look at a PL every single month. And that's what I'm talking about when I was talking about cash flow report, you know, net income. Those are the two most important things to me. Really, the, really my personal KPIs are net income. And I track how many hours I spend on each property. Because if, I, if I'm getting to a point where I'm spending 20 or 30 hours on the property in a month, then I'm thinking about exiting that property. There's something wrong. So I, I got to look internally. Is my message, my automated messaging not well enough? Is there too many you know, maintenance issues at the property? I'm investing way too much time. I don't want more than five to six hours a month into a property. That does not account really to true accounting on the back end. That's handled, I pay somebody to do that stuff. So that gives me the scale and that desired outcome that I want, right? I've got 21 properties under my umbrella owned and co-hosted today. So if I do the math on it, if I'm five hours a month, that's, you know, a hundred hours, that's 25 hours a week. I can't exceed that. that. That impacts my life style, the contract I have with my wife way too much. When I was 30, I could, you know, triple that, you know, but now I'm, I'm winding down. So it kind of goes back to that, you know, setting your outcome, defining retirement, your exit strategy, that type of stuff. But there's nothing more important to me than the number of hours and net income. I look at everything else as more about moving into that revenue management and also on the, the marketing side for me. And I think people look at it differently. I think other people may have different KPIs that are important to them. But I'm willing to give up a little bit of net income to save more time. Are you looking to purchase an STR in the Western North Carolina mountains the high country, maybe even on, on the beach of North Carolina and the OBX or all the way down into Hilton Head, South Carolina. My man, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty has you covered. And one of the things that I love about Tyler is he specializes in short-term rentals. He takes a no BS approach, is honest and is filled with integrity. How do I know this? Because I've used Tyler on three transactions totaling almost three and a half million dollars and he has absolutely crushed it for me. 
Look, if you're not sure where you should invest, he's based out of Asheville, North Carolina. He helped me invest in Banner Elk, North Carolina, and Beach Mountain, North Carolina. He's not only just a real estate agent that specializes in short-term rentals, Tyler is also an owner of short-term rentals and owns a management company. So one of the biggest hurdles for us mentally is to get over how do I find cleaners? How do I find handymen? How do I find a plumber? Well, you know what? Tyler's dialed in and he helps his clients navigate those issues. So if you're looking to invest pretty much anywhere in the Carolinas, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty is your man. And right now he's actually doing a free discovery call. You can click down on the link in the notes and set up your free discovery call with Tyler today. Let me ask you a uh, a fun question here. So a fun question? Yeah, fun question. We're talking about food, wine, golf. What's it going to be about? <laughs> Neither. Yeah, golf. Let's say you're on hole 18 and there's a... <laughs> uh, no. So let's say that you are you are looking at your KPIs and you're down. You're, you're either losing money or you're not making as much money as you would hope for. You're not hitting your goals. What do you do? What's your first reaction? What should you do first before you panic? Number one, am I putting enough, one, am I putting enough time invested into that property? Number two, do I have the skills to write the ship? Those are the first two things. How do you define the right amount of time you need to put in the property? That's, I mean, I'm, like I just said, I'm five hours a week, you know, really per property. That's it. If it gets more than that, then I'm looking at exiting that property, you know, whether it's co-hosting, owned, whatever. So I got to look at and say, hey, what can I do? Do I have the skills or the financial means within the PL to be able to increase the value of that property based on how much time I have to put into it? That kind of goes back to, I remember, uh, if you remember the Tiki Time property, the Tiki Hut looking Hawaiian house I bought in Gulf Shores and I sold it. And Jim Folger called me and he's like, hey, that's sending kind of a bad message to, uh, I love Jim, to the, to the mastermind that you just only held this property for like two and a half to three months. And I said, Jim, I made $167,000 off that property in less than 90 days. And the only way I could do it would be to exit, right? Because that was a property that I didn't see. I thought the uniqueness of it was going to be great, but I, I bought it and I closed in July and I had on, half of July and half of August and I wasn't able to maximize what I wanted to hit. So it wasn't going to be worth the time and the effort for me that I'm going to spend $925,000, I think it was, or nine forty on a property that was going to do $175,000 a year. So I took advantage of the, the quick appreciation in Gold Shores at that time, and I sold the property. Uh, so I did do some improvements to lower my basis from a tax standpoint, but I sold it because I would rather have that additional $90,000 in cash immediately to redeploy into another property uh, that I would hold for a longer period of time because I didn't believe, even though I held it for a very short period of time, I have enough experience to know if it if it should be able to hit my long-term goals from a cash flow standpoint. So I'm, I, and that's one of the reasons, Kenny, why I assess literally on a, a weekly basis. So one of the things my wife and I look at are all of our P&Ls. So there are, we're reconciled almost daily. It's not at the end of the month, almost daily. And I pay people, bookkeepers, to do that, and I paid them a lot more. You know, Michael Clinton uh, mentioned he was looking at like 250 bucks set up and whatever a month. And I made a comment on a Facebook post that, dude, I'm like four times that. And part of it's because I want that data super fast to be able to look at on a weekly basis. 
So I don't require my bookkeepers to reconcile daily, but I want it done by Friday. So like Thursday is a deadline of the previous week to where I can look at that data with my wife and we can make those decisions. Once again, that ties into the long-term strategy of you know retirement, exit, all that type of stuff for us. So it helps me make decisions on if I'm going to buy, I'm going to sell. And then if I need to put more effort into the property personally or financially to invest into it from a marketing standpoint, I don't pay anybody to market for me. So that would really be like advertising dollars, if that makes sense. Right. But I have a philosophy that we should be spending more money when times are good as opposed to when times are bad. So if you look at like if, if, you, if you're with like price lines and you get the, the reports that come out or I think Kelvin has them from rank breeze as well to where it shows you the search volume. Kenny sees this, but we all have access to that data from some of these different platforms. Right. And I was discussing with somebody like literally, I remember seeing a search report. I think it was like 30 or 40,000 weekly searches in like it was either May or June in Gulf Shores in 2021, right? Whereas I've literally just gone to report, I don't remember what it was like a week ago or two weeks ago, and it was under a thousand. So it's down like 40 times, right? Like 40,000%. It's a joke. So I'm not going to ramp up my Facebook marketing or my LinkedIn advertising budget or anything like that, because there's just not enough search volume, you know, that's happening. I'm going to do organic, which means more time. That's not makes sense. And I think for me, and I don't need to turn this into a marketing standpoint, it's really decision-making for me, but the execution side, I do more manual. So that becomes time for me. It's like more email marketing, more follow-up, more buy, sell, trade, more organic social, as opposed to trying to deploy more ads. Cause you're trying to create more visibility for people that might be on the fringe that might not really be interested. Yeah. I think that's important. It's like a lot of people, they might get their numbers and they just don't know what to do once they have their you know, whether they like them or not, obviously, like if you like them, you're like, great, we had a great month. You know, I, I still think you need to evaluate that. You need to, you need to say, cool, I had a great month. Should I raise my prices or should I do something else to try to maximize revenue? I always think there needs to be a decision made each and every single month for your properties, whether it's a, you know, put in more effort because you didn't get enough or you need to make some, you know, maximize your revenue by raising your prices or continue. Maybe you were A-B testing an ad or some sort of strategy and you wanted to target that particular audience and it worked out. Um, I think that every month there should be some sort of decision of an action item to do, whether that's you know a good thing happened or, or a, a negative thing happened. Look at the people, Kenny, that right now wear as a badge of honor, hey, I'm sold out through summer next year. Right. And, and, and you see it, you see, I mean, you probably don't spend as much time in all the other Facebook groups in my group as I do, but I see it and they're like, yeah, man, Hey, I'm sold out. And you know, the interesting thing is, is so last week for the first time, I bet I clicked on over a hundred favorite Friday listings to go and look at calendars. Easiest place to just get a random smattering of what people's calendars look like. Just go to favorite Friday and yeah. the don't work on rental Facebook group. And we have like almost 2000 properties shared every Friday at 7.45 a.m. So for the first time I went in there and just started clicking and clicking. And I wasn't really looking right now, but I was looking in places like Arizona, Palm Springs, Joshua Tree, Broken Bow, Texas, the beach, that type of stuff. That are, and to really just see who has bookings that far in advance. And I found handfuls, not hundreds, right? But handfuls of some that are like really booked out, like 80, 90% as I'm scrolling through their calendar from January to, to the summer. And 
there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm telling you is if you're this far in advance, you are leaving significant amounts of money on the table. You are not optimizing with revenue management. Booking lead time. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I, I just, it kills me when, you know, people are, even when people are making the investment decision, trying to evaluate how much property makes, I, I have a hard time. Like, yes, I do believe that you should look at someone like properties calendars in that market, but you got to know the booking lead time because if you're in, in Buffalo, New York, our booking lead time is like less than 20 days. So if I'm looking at a calendar two months from now and I'm like, oh, it's empty two months from now, three months from now, there's no one, there's no bookings. Well, it's because people aren't booking that far out in advance. People are booking 20 days or less in advance and on average, I should say, for our market. So that knowing that piece of information, now I can accurately go in and look at and know what to look for in those calendars. But if I go in and I find someone's calendar is booked out all the way through June in Buffalo, New York, I'm like, their prices must have been set at like $20 a night. Um, because well, that now would probably be like I don't know, scam people out. But I mean that that's the that's the the honesty of it. I mean, they're they're priced way too low. Now, this isn't true for every market. It's not 20 days or less. You need to go do that research. Smokies are like 70 to 90 days or whatever. But understanding with that booking lead time and tracking it each month because it changes. People, like especially, uh, I, I'm not sure, when do people book for the beach? Like Christmas time? Well, when's the, the typical opening day? It's Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. You right. get my live broadcast just like every other year. <laughs> Chris, yeah. Christmas Eve for the beaches. So, I mean, yeah, we need to price accordingly. But if you're priced too low and you're booked up right now in some of those areas, it's way too early to be booked out. You really need to take advantage uh, and understand the booking lead time in your current properties and in properties that you're evaluating to purchase. I'm going to give you another KPI that I didn't mention earlier, but as I just opened up my Airbnb app, cancellation rate. Okay. For years, my cancellation rate was under 1%. It's at 11% right now, portfolio-wide. 11% cancellation rate. And I think that's very common. We saw some, we, we had two guests over the summer, late cancel, and not even show up. So 11% is a huge number for a cancellation rate. You know what that tells me? then I've got to do a better job of my sales during the cancellation period. And I just went back to most of my properties, specifically for my winter properties. I moved back to strict uh, because my rankings are pretty good, but I still have a lot of my summer properties on, is it moderate? Moderate, well, that's the one right in the middle, right? Yeah, moderate. And that makes it easier for people to be able to cancel. So a lot of people don't view that they don't under they don't know their cancellation rate. And if it does get up like over one or two percent, mine's at eleven percent now. And I expect that because a lot of it is much higher price. And I think it could get worse if the economy gets a little bit tighter. That means I've got to adjust my sales process because remember, the guest does not officially become a customer, at least in my view, until they're outside of that cancellation policy. So I've probably got to lengthen, you know, like sales communication to them to keep them engaged and not. And really not look, because what happens is, is people, even if you're on strict, they have 48 hours to cancel. They're going to continue, a lot of them will continue to look for better deals or, 
you know, maybe this property, I want to tie it up because I have the option to be able to cancel. And then if they find something better. So our job is to get them to stop looking immediately when they book with us. Right. So that once again, lead time and then also cancellation rate tied to your cancellation policy. Something interesting too, that I, I just saw in there. I was, was interested to see what. Did you just look at yours? Yeah. It's a 17%. I couldn't believe it. Cancellation rate. Yeah. For the last 365. Yeah. It's, Beginning of this year, I, I believe it, the summer and the fall, like and not too many, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is, I guess. That was 30 days. I'm going to look at 365 right now and I'll update mine for you. Oh, my 30 days was like not that. Mine was 11% on 30 days, 13.9% over the last 365. Yeah, it's a little bit higher. Yeah, that makes sense. Anybody that says wish list additions, you know, don't impact yeah. your rankings. I mean, almost every one of my properties is ranked on the first page for varying, you know, dates and occupancies. I have 8,996 wish lists from favorite Friday and I don't do it every week. Yeah. That's uh, what's, what's interesting too. I mean, it's good to know, but the percentage of returning guests now, obviously like if that's high, then you really need to get a direct booking site going. <laughs> I mean, it's fair, fair. Yeah, sale. There you go. A, a sales page. A sales page. Yeah. So you know, I I put a sign in my all of my rentals have. Hey, enjoy like acrylic sign I had custom made. Hey, enjoying your stay. Next time, save ten percent and book direct and like my direct booking site on there. And it's super simple. You can put in. There's a lot of strategies as well, and you can learn from uh, Mark uh, Boosley and and his his book, his one dollar book, I think it is, or free or whatever. But it's a dollar, I think. But I mean, there, there's there's different places you can do that. But that's also an interesting KPI to keep track of too, is how many people are coming back and using my rental and can I get them to just book direct with me and it's, it's so I can maximize my revenue. So you need a follow-up process with that yeah. email, right? Or automated messaging of, of some sort. And I would try to stay away from the discount component. I think that's what most people default to. Because, and a lot of people say, well, I'll protect it with time. You got to, you'll get a 10% discount if you book within a week or two weeks after you check out. But the problem is, is psychologically that expectation has been set uh, with your guest. It's just like a lot of the traditional property management companies, they come in and, and they'll say, oh yeah, hey, we'll lock in your rate. Uh, the ski and ski outhouse in Beach Trouton County the, had a family that stayed there for 11 years straight. And they were so mad because the rates have gone up like, 45 or 46%. They're like, we can't afford to stay there. And they they literally wanted to stay between Christmas and New Year's. And I feel so bad emotionally, but my fiduciary responsibilities to my client, I don't own the house, I co-host it, right? So I, I like, I won't say his name, but hey, do you want to discount this for these people? And he's like, no, I don't know them. And, you know, I mean, that's yeah. like our big week. I just spent over a million dollars on this property. I'd like to get a return on investment. So one thing I want to say to everybody about discounts, and this you know has nothing to do with just SDR specific, but you're setting, you're you're moving your anchor when you discount, right? And when you discount, the expectation for that customer is always going to be to have a discount. So they're going to want to discount the following year and a discount the following year and a discount the following year. So be really careful with that and how you you execute discounts. I think if somebody has a great stay, they're going to be much more inclined to rebook immediately if they're the type of person that wants to come back. 
So I hit them with a message literally the night that you call them. And you think about it, if you're in a, like, if you're in a drive-in vacation rental market or, you know, any type of oh, vacation rental space, a little bit different if you're doing, you know, the midterm or one night stays and multifamily and urban markets and that type of stuff. But I would still do it because you can automate the messaging to go out. And like, if you use like hospitable or something, you can even get the right time. Usually around seven to nine, I think it's, like some, it's either seven, eight or nine PM day of checkout. We send that message and we, with the direct booking sales page. We invite them to come back and book. And instead of giving them a discount, we will add something of concierge service to do for them at no additional charge to where we're increasing their value, but they're also in the most euphoric state if they've had a great stay, right? So that's the, it's important to take advantage of where they're at psychologically, as opposed to waiting where a lot of people say, I start, you know, mark email marketing them two weeks later or two months later, or we wait till the season's open. If you get a five-star review or you are texting or, you know, even talking on the phone, I mean, I probably chat on the phone with 30 to 50% of my, of my, my guests and they have a great stay. The closer you can communicate with them and give them a reason, what we call a call to action that's non-discounted to have them come back and stay with you, the better. Remember, everybody discounts, everybody, excuse me, psychologically goes to discount because they think that's the only thing that they can give. What if you give them $250 grocery stocking, you know, next time they come back? What if you take care of their ski rentals next time they come back? What if you set up their boat rental at your lake house? You know, what if you do whatever for them? Give them, literally, I mean, I look at, give them free airport transportation if you're at a fly-in market. Like if you're at a luxury property and you're flying, I'm just using an example, flying into Miami, right? And you're in South Beach and you have a $1,000 a night, three-bedroom beachfront, amazing condo. Why don't you pay somebody a hundred bucks, you know, to get me to and from the airport that does a meet and greet without me having to take an Uber or a taxi or whatever that is. Offer luxury ground transfer. There's so many things that we can do that will cost us less than, than giving a discount over time. Because if that person comes back a second year, a third year, a fourth year, that's the lifetime value that now we're discounting as opposed to using something that will cost us less over time. So protecting that anchor in the LTV, the lifetime value of that, that customer slash guest is very important to me. Cool. I just tell them, I tell them the, uh, the reason I did it was because they're paying the OTAs increase the prices on them compared to what I have the prices set at. So it's actually, I tell them a, uh, so you're, you're saying, Hey, you, Hey Bill, we'd love to have you come back and say, again, by the way, I'm gonna give you a 10% discount to book direct. Yeah. And then essentially your gross profit is the exact same. Exactly. Yep, it is. And and they get the they get the discount because they're not paying yep. the fees or whatever. So you track your conversion rate on that email? No. I mean I track like I guess the guests that come back for you know, like who book. But uh yeah, so it, it's not I don't send One I, mean, the email. I don't send uh I it's also in my rental as well. So right. I don't know how many people book because of the message versus the sign in the actual apartment. Ask them. So yeah, this, this is your Buffalo duplex, right? Uh, I mean, all of them. I just put one in my Watkins Glen house too. Gotcha. Track it. Take the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. If you guys have any questions, just hit Kenny or I up on Instagram. I am BillFates73, F-A-D-T-H, BillFates73. Kenny, what's your handle? Oh boy. <laughs> I think you know it's- You uh, Instagram account? I do, I do. I, I'll be, I'll be ramping it up. By the time people hear this, it'll already be going. It's Kenny underscore B. I can wait. 
Oh my gosh, that better be it. And he doesn't even know. Okay, we're gonna have like marketing 101 here. He doesn't know. <laughs> you probably have a fly here. If I had your Instagram title, Kenny, I could do it just like that right there. See that? Yeah, I've got all you ready to go when I don't know yours. Yeah, it's uh, that's that's a problem. Let me. Oh boy. Next episode, we'll have Kenny's Instagram. Yeah, that's what it is. It's, oh, I'm sorry. It's Kenny underscore Bedwell. I thought it was Kenny underscore B for some reason, but it's it's Kenny Kenny underscore underscore Bedwell at Kenny underscore Bedwell on Instagram. (laughs) Look look up with Kenny. Slide into his DMs on on Instagram. I do get those DMs. So, yeah, slide into my DMs. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, everybody, on STRonomics. We'll see you on the next episode. Happy hosting. Thank you for listening to STRonomics. Stay ahead of the curve and subscribe today. This podcast is a hospitality.fm production.